It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And we welcome you to the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, January 12, 2017. Thank you for joining us on the program tonight. Uh, my name is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dad. Jacob, great to be with you Good tonight. Good to be with you on the second program of 2017. Looking forward to your comments. Uh, you can do so by calling 877-381-4567, email questions at collegeview.com, or... You're watching us live. The best way to get your comments is uh, in the chat room to the bottom of your video feed. Look forward to hearing from you on the program tonight. Uh, behind the board tonight, Kyle is here. Kyle, welcome to the program. It's good to be here. Yeah, I look forward to hearing from you. I think you've been uh, you've got some things ready to talk about tonight. We we'll look forward to hearing those comments. And uh, Dad, uh, uh, a good discussion, hopefully. Yeah, I tonight. think we've got something that should be interesting and yeah. valuable discussion. We hope so. All right. we, we want it to be profitable. Before we get to that, remind everybody of something coming up here at the College View Church. Uh, just a little over two weeks away. Two uh, weeks in a day. Two weeks in a day. On the eight, on the 28th and 29th, Ken McDaniel, who preaches uh, in Springfield, Illinois, will be here. And we've asked him to concentrate the lessons that he will bring uh, with application to our young people. Uh, we're asking everybody to come. It's not a so-called young people or teen weekend or anything like that. It's for everybody, but we have asked him to emphasize his lessons uh, directed toward the young people. And so that's what he's planning. On Saturday, the 28th, we'll meet at 4 in the afternoon and then again at 7 that evening. Our normal times on Sunday, 9.30 and 10.30, Ken will be bringing lessons. And then we'll move our evening service Sunday up to 2.30 in the afternoon. And Ken will, uh, at that time, give us a, a report an update on the work that he's doing in Springfield, Illinois. The church here helps to support him in those evangelistic efforts, and he'll tell us a little bit more about what he's doing and how he's getting it done. All right. Uh, we'll look forward to that. Uh, so anybody within a driving distance of Middle Tennessee, try to join us that weekend, January 28th, 29th. All right. To look forward to that. Uh, if you need more information, check our website, collegeview.com or thevirtualbiblestudy.com. We'd love to have you come. And uh, if you've got questions about that, questions at collegeview.com is the way you can contact us. Right. Okay. you got right. some bumper stickers still, I think. Got some bumper stickers. Just uh, had some people wanting those just recently. Down we got in a few Troy, left. Alabama. They're going to yeah. be headed your way shortly. Yeah. Hopefully. Uh, we just got a few of those old ones left, and we may we may come out with a, a, 2017 a, a, a 3.0 or something on yeah. bumper stickers, yeah. you know. Yeah, and uh, and uh, so, Maybe a little bigger this time. Yeah, it might go a little bigger. This last one was sort of the shape of a an oval shape like you see uh, people who run marathons and stuff yeah. stick yeah. those on the back of their car. you got to get close and you got to get a little close to read them. So we might go a little bit bigger so that it's a little more obvious. Okay. All right. But if we get them, and if we do get them, we'll, we'll announce that on the program. And you can, and, and all you people, uh, uh, who are, uh, 
you know, avid listeners and supporters. We'll try to get you some of those. If you're not an avid listener, you're welcome to help us uh, get the word out. Yeah. All right. We got several in the chat room. Uh, see Kevin Kelly Kevin's there. there. Kevin, Kevin, great to see you. Uh, one listener says he's, done, well, he's not a listener. He says he uh, mm-hmm. can't hear anything, but I would encourage you, if you're not hearing it, to refresh your but browser. But you, you can't hear it, you don't know to do that. So Yeah. Well, so we might put in the yeah, chat room to refresh yeah, your browser. Right, okay. All right. So the discussion tonight, what are we talking about? Hang on. I mean, I'll put that in the chat. All right, room. we're talking about that in the chat room tonight. Okay, um, we're, we're going to talk we're, about a, 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 an article that came out last summer. Just I, I can't, can't. You're trying, but you can't. There, there okay. you go. You, you got, got it. it. Um, we want to talk about an article that came out. It was actually in our little local paper here in Columbia, Tennessee, on July the 29th of 2016. But it was actually picked up out of the Kansas City Star just a day or two before that. I saw it on their website as well. And it has to do, uh, the title of it was Arguments About What's in the Bible. And uh, it quotes a couple of theologians. The first of them is Elder Brian L. Rawlson of the 70, North America Central Area Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. He's a Mormon. Yes. Uh, I had assumed, but wrongly so apparently, that the second person quoted in this article, a fellow called the Reverend Duke Tufty, pastor of Unity Temple on the Plaza. And I'm not sure where that's located. but It's on uh, the plaza, I think. It's on the plaza, but I don't know what plaza. Oh, yeah, right. But I, I had assumed he was associated with the Mormon Church, but I found out from feedback, uh, our friend Jeff, who listens regularly, sent in an email and said that, he had had some uh, interaction with some folks who are Mormons today, and uh, they they uh, said that he is apparently not associated with the Mormon Church. Jeff checked his website and says it looks like this Mr. Tufty is a fellow who pretty well accepts all doctrines and religions, and so uh, we don't we don't want to misrepresent. We had we had assumed something that wasn't true. Uh, thanks for doing that research for us. There, yeah, Jeff. Th- thanks, Jeff. We should, we weren't doing our homework there, uh, so we we appreciate uh, that. Uh, but basically, the idea is that the Bible has been corrupted over the years. The Mormons believe that. This Mister Tufty believes that as well. So they're they're they they are in agreement at least in in regards to how they view the Bible. Mm-hmm. And that's really what we want to talk about. We want to talk about whether the Bible has been corrupted do we have when we pick up our bibles do we have a reliable document that conveys to us god's will for mankind as was originally revealed uh to the inspired writers all right these gentlemen are going to try to attack that they're not the only ones who will and not all that attack it obviously are associated with the mormon church Uh, that is a common attack on the on the validity of the bible from a lot of different angles we're looking at one of them tonight from uh, the the mormons who, uh, well, um, I think they would claim they believe the Bible, but well, it's well, obvious from here that they don't. Well, well, we're going to talk about what they're, how they regard the Bible, uh, which I think is, I think their position is inconsistent. We'll talk yeah, about right. that. We've got this article. Uh, we've got a link to a PDF copy of this article on our website. And in fact, if if you're on the if you're on our uh, page looking at our video feed, just above the video feed, there's a link to a PDF document, you can click on that. You may want to go back and forth, refer back and forth to that as we're talking about the article tonight uh, concerning people's views of the of the Bible. Okay. So earlier today to our update list, we send out our update list uh, just shortly before noon on Thursdays. 
letting you know what our topic for discussion will be that night. If you're not on our list, you can get on it by sending us an email to questions at collegeview.com. Just say, add me to the list. We'll do it. Today we sent out to our list these questions. Number one, what do you think about the claim that the Bible has been corrupted as, as it has been translated and transcribed through the years? Mm-hmm. What do you think about that? Mm-hmm. Number two, what do you know about Joseph Smith and, and his writings? Number three, is God still revealing his will to mankind? Number four, is it true that King James, quote, and this is from the, the Mr. Tufty quoted in the article, he said King James, quote, chose to leave out more than 500 pages that disagree that he disagreed with. Yeah. When, when King James uh, sponsored the King James version of the Bible, so he, uh, this Mr. Tufty says he didn't, there was, he left out 500 pages that he didn't agree with. Yeah. Do you believe that? Okay. And number five, how would you answer the claim that there are, and again, this is from Mr. Tufty, there are, quote, more than 20,000 inconsistencies in the Bible. Mm. Uh, what do you think about that? All right. So that's, where, that's the direction we want to go. Uh, and again, it might be very helpful if you're listening to click on uh, uh, the the article that's linked on our website so that you can kind of follow along with us. And if you're listening to us in the podcast version mm-hmm. of some other date after we've mm-hmm. taken that down, you can uh, send us an email, questions at collegeview.com. We'll try and get you that uh that article. In yeah, the, yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Anytime we can get you that. Or we'll, that, we'll, that link's not going to stay up there. No, no, no. We'll take that link down after tonight, but we'll have access to that and so we can send email, us an email it to questions you. at collegeview.com. Yeah. All right. So um, here's what the elder from the Mormon church says. He says, as Christians, we appeal to the Bible to inform our decisions about how to live our lives. We realize that our decisions determine our destiny and that our decisions that, that align with God's will lead to happiness and peace. I would agree with all that so far, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. We search the scripture for unchangeable truth, doctrine, to inform our decisions. Okay. Then, notice this statement. Members of the Church of Christ of Latter-day Saints, and that's, that, those are the ones that we identify as Mormons, love and revere the Bible as the Word of God. We study it diligently, teach its timeless principles and doctrines to our children, and we rejoice in the Bible's witness of the life and mission of the Lord Jesus Christ. I wouldn't have a a bit of objection to anything that he has said so far. But it's about to change. But here's the catch, the next statement. Notice he said, we love and revere the Bible as the word of God. Now notice this, he says, we do not believe the Bible as it currently exists to be without error. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, I'm going to tell you, that just seems totally contradictory to me. How could I love and revere a document as the Word of God and yet say, I don't believe that it's without error? The the big question I would have is, if there's errors in it, how do I know what's true and what's error? Uh, how, how am I able to decipher, you know, uh, you know, thou shalt not steal? I don't think that's accurate. I think it's okay to steal. Well, how would I know? Uh, yeah, you know, right. uh, how can I how can I discern uh, what to take and what to leave off as accurate or erroneous? You see what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, again, this is not a theme that's isolated to those in the Mormon Church. It's common even among religious people. Sadly, it's common among many who would claim to be in the Lord's Church, the Church of Christ, a lot of of so-called liberal 
members of uh, the, the Church of Christ are claiming the same thing, that Pretty the Bible's the got errors. Yeah, okay. yeah. Kevin makes a comment in the chat room that I think is probably applicable. Why would you try to discredit the Bible? What's to gain? Well, he says, non-adherence to it so that I can follow my own plans. In other words, if I can discredit the Bible and say, well, you know, it's got its, got its errors in there then I can pretty much do as I please because I can dismiss anything that the Bible says that's contradictory to what I want to do. I think that's a good observation, Kevin. Okay, absolutely. Uh, There is a motivation, and we'll find out more about it here as we go along. All right. So uh, going just a little bit further in the article, and then we'll stop to comment. This uh, elder Brian Rawlson of the Mormon Church says, As the Bible was compiled, organized, translated, and transcribed, many errors entered the text. Mm -hmm. The existence of such errors becomes apparent when one considers the numerous and often conflicting translations of the Bible in existence today. Well, there's a couple things here that uh, I want to ask just as a a, uh, reaction if there are uh, errors, many errors entered the text. That's a claim, but and and I understand this is a brief article, but Mr. Rawlson has not offered any proof of that statement that there are many errors that have entered into the text. Right. That, that that's just not uh, true. I mean, well, it, it's a claim. It's not proof, and I don't believe it is true. But no, I, here's where I think he makes a big mistake. He says the existence of these errors is apparent when one considers the numerous and often conflicting translations of the Bible in existence. You know, we never claimed that any translation of the Bible was infallible. Uh, I think all translations of the Bible have probably have some places where they are weak in the translation that they that they make. Mm-hmm. You know, we follow. Uh, uh, you, Jacob, and I both read out of the King James Version, although we're not the so-called King James-only kind of people. I've got, in my library, I've got probably dozens of different English translations of the Bible. And I and I refer to various ones of them. Uh, but I don't think any of them is flawless. The King James Version is certainly not flawless. The King James Version has, has its difficulties. I think it's a really good translation, generally accurate. But, but I would be quick to point out that I don't think it... It's flawless. It's not an inspired translation. I don't think there are any inspired translations. When we talk about the Bible being perfect and without error uh, 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 and so forth, we're talking about the Bible as it was given in the original languages. We're not talking about English translations of the Bible. Yes, right. Um, And, um, well... Uh, we can make the case, and we have in the past uh, on the program, about the original text that was used to make the translations is reliable, and certain uh, lots of tests and uh, and proofs to show that um, we don't tonight. But certainly, we can have confidence that the text that they were that was used to translate into our language is. The is correct and uh, reliable. Yeah, and we've got we've got whole uh, archived programs of the Virtual Bible Study where we talked about Bible translations and where they came from. Right. All right. Um, we need to get a break when we get back. Um, we need to talk some more about this article, obviously, because there are some more uh, statements that are simply un, uh, inaccurate and unsubstantiated. We'll get a break and get your thoughts. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study will continue right after this.
Don't touch that mouse. The virtual Bible study will be back right after this. This is Monty Overton, a member of the College View Church of Christ. Thanks for listening to the virtual Bible study. We appreciate your interest in the Bible. It is, after all, God's message to us. We thought you might be encouraged by a poem written by A.Z. Conrad entitled, The Bible Stands. It goes like this. Century follows century, there it stands. Empires rise and fall and are forgotten, there it stands. Dynasty succeeds dynasty, there it stands. Kings are crowned and uncrowned, there it stands. Emperors decree its extermination, there it stands. Atheists rail against it, there it stands. Agnostics smile cynically, there it stands. Profane, prayerless punsters caricature it, there it stands. Unbelief abandons it, there it stands. Higher critics deny its claimed inspiration, there it stands. The flames are kindled against it, there it stands. The tooth of time gnaws but makes no dent in it, there it stands. Infidels predict its abandonment, there it stands. Modernism tries to explain it away, there it stands. Here's some quotes worth pondering. Sin has many tools, but a lie is the handle which fits them all. Nothing is so contagious as an example. We never do great good or great evil without bringing about more of the same on the part of others. Man, wish I'd said that. Use your internet connection for something good. Listen to the virtual Bible study every week. Now, back to the program. We're back on the program tonight as we talk about uh, the Mormon attack of the Scriptures. They claim that the Scriptures, they love the Scriptures, but they've got errors. In fact, lots of errors, and we can't trust what the Scriptures teach. Uh, In the chat room, uh, our friend Jim in Kentucky makes an interesting observation. He says, those who seek to make the Bible a second source to their primary source will discredit the Bible. So the Catholic Church disrespects the Bible. The Mormon Church disrespects the Bible. The Jehovah's Witnesses discredit the Bible. They all do because they want their their Bible or catechism or creed to be the primary one uh, that you the, the primary one that you need uh, what they have to help make up for what the Bible supposedly lacks. Yep. You know, that's that's what they're trying that, that what they're trying to get you to think. And Kevin says Psalm one nineteen verse one sixty the sum of thy word is truth. We need to have that confidence that we have God's word and the sum of it is truth. Guess 3984 says, to say the Bible has errors is bold to say the least, but we're all guilty of cherry-picking from time to time. Well, you know, some would, as 3984 says, some would be bold enough to say, oh, the Bible's got errors in it, so we're just going to discredit it. That's one thing. But just as egregious as the cherry-picking of, well, I'll take what it says there, but I'm not going to take what it says there. I think that's true. Even, I mean, not even try and justify it. Then some folks are they're doing the exact same thing, but they're not even trying to claim that it's an error. They're just saying, well, I just don't yeah. want to listen to it. Yeah, exactly right. right. All right, now, uh, just a little bit further into this article, then we want to pick up some of our email comments. Keep talking in the chat room. Uh, love, love all that activity in the chat room. Um, Elder Rolson of the Mormon Church says, quote, careful students of the Bible are often puzzled by apparent contradictions and omissions. Consequently, diverse and sometimes divisive interpretations of the same Bible passages arise. All right, a couple things. He says that there are omissions. He he does not identify what those omissions were. How would he know there are omissions if they're omitted? Uh in other words, if we have the Greek text, we have the Hebrew text. So he says there are uh, omissions. What are they? Uh, does he have access to some original language text that we don't? 
and wherein he could say that was omitted. We're going to talk about the claim later that 500 pages were left out by King James, which is just absolutely a, f- a false argument. Yep. And we'll talk about Kevin's that. Kevin's already climbed in, chimed in there, so there's no proof yeah. of, of that. Well, I, I think I know what he's talking about. We'll, we'll, okay. try, to, we'll try to decipher that in a minute. But, but I'm concentrating here on Mr. Rollerson's uh, comment that there are omissions how would you know there are any emissions if they're omitted? <laughs> they're, they're not in the Hebrew text. They're not in the Greek text. We're not talking about the English Bible. We're talking about the original manuscripts from which our English translations and hundreds of other language translations are made. How would you know if it's omitted if it's not there? Okay, and this is an important fact because the Mormons are claiming we need to have the Book of Mormon because... The original is so uh, is gone that we 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 have no way of knowing what God originally well, said. So we need to have this Book of Mormon. That but now that's what he's going to say here in a minute. But notice this: he said, because Bible students are puzzled by apparent. Contra- I want to I want to key on his word apparent contradictions. I would agree that there are apparent contradictions of the Bible, but they can all be resolved. Yeah. You know, you can read two verses, and at first reading, they seem to contradict. They are apparent contradictions. We've often referenced a a book by John W. Haley called Alleged Discrepancies of the Bible. In it, he deals with hundreds of of different uh, contradictions that have been posed as contradictions, and he offers at least one feasible explanation to every one of those. Uh, so that, yeah, it, the Bible might contain apparent contradictions. There are no sustainable contradictions okay. in the right. Bible. So, but he says, what are we to do? Because, because serious Bible students are puzzled by apparent contradictions and omissions. And Consequently, the, 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 diverse yeah. interpretations of the Bible passages. Actually, there he pointed out what the problem is. The problem was, is with us. The interpretation, the interpretation, not the, not the translations, not the Bible itself, but our interpretation. But notice, what are we to do? We believe that God's pattern from biblical times has not changed and that he continues to reveal his will through his servants, the prophets. We believe that the scriptural canon is open. Uh huh. You see what he's saying? Yeah. He said, well, you know, because we're confused about what we have in the Bible, we believe we got to keep the, that we got to keep the, 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 the book open. We got to keep the canon open. We got to keep the idea that God's still communicating with mankind and that there's still valuable information coming to him, coming to man from God. All right. You got Kyle? I guess it, uh, this is just a theory on why they want to keep it open because they keep changing their minds on so many doctrines <laughs> that they have. I mean, they have to, yeah. they change their minds on polygamy. So we got to, well, we've changed our minds. Now we have to make sure we keep the, we have to keep the uh, book open here because we have to keep changing our minds of what we're believing in this week. So, uh, gonna... I think you're right. The, uh, the 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 implication of his statement is, you know, we can't because we're confused by what's in the Bible. What are we to do? We got to keep the lines of communication with God open. We got to keep the the biblical canon open. God continues to reveal His will through His servants. Now, the implication of that would be. Because God has continued to reveal things through these Mormon sources, wouldn't wouldn't you think that that means that alleviates the con the confusion? There, therefore, at least all Mormons would be in agreement because they have access to continuing revelation. Wouldn't that wouldn't that be the conclusion you draw from his statement? That's what you would think. Yeah. Well, that's not true. <laughs> I, 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 I've got a list. It's easily obtainable on the internet. A list of the different sects of the Latter-day Saints churches. In other words, these people are Mormons, but they're not united. 
I want to give you, let me give you a quick reading. The pure church of Christ, the independent church, the church of Christ, uh, parishite, Alston Church, Church of Jesus Christ, the bride, the lamb's wife, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, uh, Council of Friends, Apostolic United Brethren, Fundamentalist Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, Church of the Firstborn of the Fullness of Times, Church of Jesus Christ in Solemn Assembly, Church of the Firstborn of the Lamb of God, Church of the New Covenant, uh, Church of the New Covenant in Christ, uh, Righteous Branch of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in the Kingdom of God, True and uh, True and Living Church of Jesus Christ of Saints of the Last Days, the Church of the Firstborn in the General Assembly of Heaven, the Church of Zion, the United Order of the United Order Family of Christ, Restoration Church of Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's just some. Now, now, that sounds to me like diverse and sometimes divisive interpretations of the same Book of Mormon have arisen. The, the, it, uh, this man suggests that because of ongoing revelation, it resolves the confusion. It, dis- it resolves the, the division. It, it resolves the diverse opinions. Apparently, it doesn't because there are all kinds of different sects of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. They are not in unity. And so I think I think his claim is is not only false, but practically fails in in application. All right. 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. All right, let's stop there for a minute and go to our first question. How much time we got? Yeah, we got a minute. Uh, what do you th- the first question, what do you think about the claim that the Bible has been corrupted as it has been translated and transcribed through the years? To that uh, question, Kent in Calhoun, Georgia, says the claim that the Bible has been corrupted as it has been translated and transcribed through the years is false. While indeed some translations of the Bible have been corrupted, that does not mean the Bible has been corrupted. There are about 55,000 manuscripts of the Greek New Testament. Not 5,500 5, uh, manuscripts of the Greek New Testament. While there are variations within those texts, a careful analysis of such proves that such variations are minuscule. Also, we have extant ancient versions of the New Testament, which are older than the existing manuscripts. Uh, a study of those demonstrates no significant variations. Also, there exists the writings of the early church historians. The complete New Testament can be reproduced from those writings. A production of such would demonstrate no significant difference in our Bible today. I I think that's exactly right. Let me read to you a quote from Josh McDowell. I think that name, Josh McDowell, uh, means uh, to a lot of people, uh, you would recognize him as a man who's written a lot about Christian evidences. Uh, He he has his, his... Probably best known book is Evidence That Demands a Verdict. Uh, this quote is from New Evidence That Demands a Verdict. Uh, he says, The New Testament is by far the most reliable ancient writing known today. There exist as many as 25,000 ancient manuscripts that contain all or portions of the New Testament. Counting Greek copies alone, the texts are preserved in 5,366 partial and complete manuscripts hand copied from the 2nd through the 15th century. A few New Testament fragments are very early, dating from the second century. Add to these Greek manuscripts, uh, add to these Greek manuscripts the more than 10,000 Latin Vulgate and at least 9,300 early translations, and we approach the earlier mentioned number of 25,000. By contrast, manuscripts for most other ancient books date from about a thousand years after their original composition. To compare this to other ancient writings, 
Homer's Iliad is in second place behind the New Testament with no more than 643 copies. The oldest copy of the Iliad dates about 500 years after the original. This is a dramatic contrast to the oldest papyrus text of the New Testament dated near 125 A.D. The importance of the vast number of manuscripts copies cannot be overstated. This abundance of manuscripts makes it possible to reconstruct the original with virtually complete accuracy. There is more evidence of the reliability of the text of the New Testament as an accurate reflection of what was initially written than there is for any ten pieces of classical literature put together. We may rest assured that what we have today is a correct representation of what was originally given. Yeah. In other words, what what we're saying here is these people are saying, oh, yeah, well, here we are 2,000 years, for instance, after the New Testament came out, after the New Testament was revealed, and through all those years there's been all this opportunity for, for things to be added and deleted. No, we're not talking about 2,000 years. We've got copies that date back to within 100 years of when those right. documents were originally written by inspired writers. There wasn't time for all this corruption to enter. They're suggesting we've got 2,000 years, and all through the 2,000 years, corruption has been creeping in. Yeah. And that's not true, because we're, we're, not, we're not dealing with anything that has happened in the last 1,500 years. Right. We're going back fi- to 500 A.D. and before. There just wasn't time for all if this we corruption. If we throw away were... the original after we made a translation, then perhaps you could have an argument. But when we keep the original, it doesn't matter what the translation says. It's what the original says or the very close to the original manuscript uh, that we've noted. And we, can, and we have all of this evidence to show that it has not been corrupted. Yeah, so I think Kent was right on the mark with his comment, uh, for sure. Uh, Jim has responded. He says, in order for one to know that it has been corrupted, one must have a verifiable copy of an original. If one has an original to compare it to, then it has not been corrupted. In, uh, in order to know that something is, if something is missing, you must have the master copy to compare it to. What can, uh, copy are the Mormons comparing it to? That's exactly right. That's what I was saying. How would you know that there's omissions if they've been omitted? <laughs> uh, there, are no, there are thousands and thousands of manuscripts to compare with our Bible and prove there is no corruption. Thank you, Jim, for those comments. And Keith uh, here in Tennessee says, even if it were true that there had been corruption of the Scriptures, and I have little reason to believe that there are more than, a, than minor changes, what would make me think that the Mormons would be able to give us the scriptures correctly? In other words, that, that's the, that's sort of the leap that you have to believe is that well, if we can't trust the process that brought the Bible to us. We're going to have to trust the Mormons the instead. Book of Mormon. Okay. All right. Are we are we up against a break? Let's get a break and uh, get this week's bullet point. When we come back, we want to hear from you. The telephone line is open eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. Questions at collegeu dot com or use that chat window tonight. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. Enjoying the virtual Bible study? Email a friend during this break and tell them to join in on the discussion. There's more exciting Bible study after this commercial. I'm Michael, now four years old, and, and this is the virtual Bible study. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. We all have some things that we do with great regularity. Certain activities are part of everyday life. Things like bathing, dressing, brushing teeth, and so forth. Each person will have other unique practices that are incorporated into their normal routine. And while it's possible to get stuck in a rut, some of this regularity is important and helpful in making us more efficient individuals. With that idea in mind, we'd like to suggest some things that ought to become a regular part of every Christian's daily routine. Every day we should pray. Pray daily for your fellow Christians, especially remembering the sick, the bereaved, those who are spiritually weak, those laboring under heavy burdens, and others who have special needs. Don't let these prayers be totally general in nature. Think of specific individuals and mention them by name in your prayers. 
Every day we should give thanks. In the course of your prayers, do not neglect to thank the Heavenly Father for all the wonderful blessings that He gives us. Again, be specific. Taking time to count your blessings every day will help you to gain a greater appreciation for what God has done for you. Especially spend time contemplating the great spiritual blessings we have in Christ. Everyday study. Find some time each day to spend in the study of God's Word. Get up a few minutes earlier each day. Break away in the middle of the day. Make time in the evening. But by all means, study the Word. This will help you to resist temptation and prepare you to explain your faith to others. Everyday serve. The Christian life is to be a life of service. Mark 10, verses 43 and 44. Instead of waiting for others to do things for you, look for some opportunity every day to do some deed of kindness for another individual. Your life will be happier if you concentrate less on self and more on others. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. A streaming Bible study. Why didn't I think of that? Now back to the guys. We're back on the program tonight. Reminding you, this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can find out more about us by visiting our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. If you're listening to us in the podcast never been there, check it out, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. And if you've never contacted us, maybe you've been uh, like a listener we heard of from a few weeks ago. Listen to all the programs, but never been here live. Maybe just send us an email. Let us know you're out there. We'd love to hear yeah. from you. And uh, we'll be glad to send you a bumper sticker if you want to help us spread the word. Questions at collegeview.com is the email address We're, to use. We've got good activity in the chat room. We appreciate you all in the chat room. We haven't been able to keep up with all of that. but uh, uh, Starting off here, Joseph Smith plagiarized the King James Version, using it in the three other books. We're going to talk about that. Use. Hang on to that. I want to talk about that in a minute. Hang on to those okay. comments. Uh, uh, from guest 3984. Okay. Uh, when he translated the first book of the Golden Plates, he, his assistant gave it to his wife. The, the wife hid the pages and said that if he was being honest, that he could translate the book again. Yeah. And then he said that God was angered and that the translation oh, yeah. of that book would never again be real. We're going to talk about Joseph Smith and those plates here in just a minute, so okay. hang on to that. Uh, Jim says uh, the Mormons want to keep uh, the canon or the uh, of the Bible or the the avenue of revelation open so that there can uh, because uh, their church believes their prophets continue to have god reveal uh, revealed words to them i think that's true right um, philip says the mormon assertions are to create doubt in the bible and then create trust in the joseph smith story but if we can't trust the one to be reliable how then can we trust the other <coughs> i think that's right and then uh, uh, some, some back and forth has broken out. We won't cover it all, but guest 3984 says, Dangerous ground here to talk about sex are not even conservative churches of Christ existing in at least a few different styles or sex. And he mentions things like one-cup churches, churches that don't have Bible classes, uh, institutional brethren, and so forth. Uh, we don't disagree that... Churches of Christ are, uh, they are different kind, there are different churches of Christ and there's division among churches of Christ. But you know what the difference? We don't claim modern day prophets. But, the, uh, the Mormons are claiming modern day prophets and if they had them you would think that everybody would just take their word and it would all be beautiful harmony and unity. If there were true latter day prophets you would think that that would generate unity. Right. It doesn't. They're saying the Bible is is flawed, corrupted, and therefore there is this division in the in the Christian world, and, and their solution to it is continuing revelation. And you were just showing that there's still division in the Mormon Church. Exactly, that's all we're so, saying. So claim, we're not denying that there's division in the churches of Christ. Their we're, claim that we need prophets today doesn't fix the problem that they're that they're saying. Exactly right. That's all we were saying okay. with that. That's all we're saying. All right. With that. All right, let's go real quickly. We gotta, we gotta, we're gonna have to move quickly here, Jacob. We're gonna be out of time. But, uh, again, we're quoting from Elder Brian Rawson, uh, of the Mormon Church. 
He says, in addition to the Bible, Latter-day Saints revere and study the Book of Mormon, the Doctrine and Covenants, and the Pearl of Great Price, and the words of modern prophets and apostles. These sources of eternal truth work together to establish, clarify, and testify of the plan of our Heavenly Father and to bring people to Jesus Christ. I think most of our listeners will recognize the Book of Mormon, the Doctrine and Covenants, the Pearl of Great Price. Those are the works of Joseph Smith. And Joseph Smith, very interesting story about Joseph Smith. And we don't mean to be derogatory or unnecessarily mean. But Joseph Smith was known to have been a, a real character in his time. And, and you, don't have to, you, you don't have to do any hard research on the Internet to find all kinds of information about Joseph Smith. Uh, he, even his parents were uh, of that nature. His mother, was, Lucy, was involved in occult practices and had visions. His father, Joseph Sr., uh, spent most of his time treasure hunting uh, using imaginary clues to, to get people to invest in his treasure hunting schemes. Oh, really? He came from a long line of that stuff. Uh, and, and then a real quick history. An angel, apparently in 1823, Joseph Smith claims that the angel Moroni appeared to him and told him about a book of golden plates that contained the, quote, fullness of the everlasting gospel. The book was said to have been buried in Cumorah Hill near Palmyra, New York, some 1,400 years earlier by a man named Mormon. Uh, Joseph Smith dug up the golden plates along with a gigantic pair of spectacles, which he called the Urim and the Thummim. The <laughs> spectacles were for translating the hieroglyphics on the plates. He translated plates, published the Book of Mormon in 1830, and a year later... Joseph, his wife, and his brothers Hiram and Samuel, and a man also named Caudre, uh, established the Church of Jesus Christ, which is known today as the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. The Book of Mormon contains many plagiarisms of the King James English. I understand about 16 to 18% of the Book of Mormon is a direct quote of the King James Version yeah. of, the, of the New Testament. And what's interesting is those books, those plates were supposed to have been inscribed long before, centuries before the King James Version was ever translated in 1611. How would it be that direct quotes of the King James Version of the Bible are found in the Book of Mormon when supposedly these plates were made way before the King James Version was ever translated? Joseph Smith was a polygamist. He had at least 27 wives. Some say he had over 60 wives. Uh, his, his, his movement left New York, went to Ohio, moved to Missouri. The Missouri governor ran them out of the state. They moved to Nauvoo, Illinois, built a large city. Uh, there, Joseph Smith and his brother Hiram were thrown in jail, and an angry mob stormed the jail and murdered them both. I believe he was 38 at the time of his death, uh, 24 when he wrote the Book of Mormon, I think, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, there's, uh, a, there's, a, there's a whole lot of ugly dirt on yeah. Joseph Smith. We won't go into all of that. But that's what the Mormons are putting their confidence in. In other words, we revere the Bible, but we also revere and study the Book of Mormon, the Doctrine of Covenants, the Pearl of Great Prize, the works of Joseph Smith, who is a very questionable guy. Just with, with all due respect to Mormons, I think there's a lot of conscientious people who try to follow the Mormon faith. But I'm going to tell you, I, I just can't imagine uh, putting any confidence in a man like Joseph Smith based upon the verifiable history of that man that's available. Yeah. That's all we're saying. But notice, but they don't only don't just go with what Joseph Smith said. They go with the words of modern prophets. 
Well, what's the confirmation that these modern prophets are speaking the word of God? You know, in New Testament times, we when men spoke the last week, I believe that we did yeah. that the that miracles served the purpose of confirming the word. Yeah, Mark sixteen verses seventeen through twenty. Yeah, and some very explicit kind of miracles, not just uh, yeah. I feel like it's the truth. It sure seems right to me. They were doing some very extensive miracles. Yeah, Start taking up serpents, drinking deadly things. Uh, laying on the sick, they will recover, uh, speaking with new tongues. So, yeah. So, but don't miss the point. They're saying that these sources work together along with the Bible to establish, clarify, and testify the plan of our Heavenly Father to bring people to Jesus Christ. And so these, what Joseph Smith wrote and what these ongoing prophecies uh, in the Mormon Church are revealing are on a par with the New Testament and with the New Testament authors. All right. That's what they're claiming. Now, that's their claim. Okay. We asked the question, what do you know about Joseph Smith and his writings? Uh, Keith uh, in, uh, in, in Tennessee says, Joseph Smith was a con artist. By and large, the story they tell of him is filled with inaccuracies. He had multiple wives and caused any number of uprisings in Missouri and Illinois. It is actually unknown how many children he actually fathered. Although I've read some scholars think it was over 20. He was a liar. The story they tell of his death is totally fictional. He was killed when his brother attempted to break him out of jail in a shootout with authorities. Mm. Okay. All right. Uh, we have uh, Kent in Calhoun, Georgia. He says, Joseph Smith is a fraud. He was born December 23rd, 1805, and Sharon, Vermont, and, denied, and, sorry, and died June 27th, 1844. He lived a life of religious confusion and blatantly dishonest and blatant dishonesty as well as sexual immorality. Smith taught that God once was a man and through uh, what is known as the false doctrine of eternal progression that human beings can become gods. This fallacy implies that of polytheism. Uh, that is the false doctrine of many gods. Smith also taught that God is a glorified man with a body of flesh and bones. That there is a mother goddess. God and his goddess wives are married, producing a group of baby gods. That Jesus Christ and Satan are brothers. And that latter-day revelation of divine information continues. The case of the case that Mormons affirm continuous revelation, such produces confusion in their own ranks. Some of their present-day doctrines conflict with their earlier doctrines. They are subject to change upon the whims of their ever-changing leadership. And Galatians chapter 1, verse 9, where Paul says that uh, doctrine doesn't change, and if someone's teaching a different doctrine, they should be accursed. Well, certainly that's occurring in the Mormon church. Yeah. Jim, in, you, Jim in Kentucky says Joseph Smith has provided no evidence to prove that he was contacted by God or that his writings are inspired. Other than having his magic looking glass, there's no evidence that Joseph Smith ever received any divine revelation. So I think that's the, that's the case. And again, we don't want to be... We don't want to be making fun of or ridiculing Mormons, but the fact of the matter is their confidence in the writings of Joseph Smith are without basis. But that's also true of their belief in the ongoing revelation and their confidence in, in modern-day prophets and apostles. All right. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. In the chat room tonight, Kevin says the archaeology of the Book of Mormon has found zero sites or has zero found sites, but the Bible has the majority of its claim sites discovered via that science. Uh, one method to discredit that man-made work, he says. And Jim says, ask a Mormon, where 
were there any Christians prior to the time of Joseph Smith? If so, how did they know what to do in order to be Christians? If not, when did Christianity cease? Good question. Good question. All right. Let's grab our last break. When we come back, we want to look at some quotes from this Duke Dufty, pastor of the Unity Temple on the Plaza. Uh, we're going to have to move quick, but he makes some also some outrageous claims against the Bible. We'll take a break and get your thoughts. Don't go anywhere. we go to the top of the hour right after this. Are you listening? There's going to be a test on this stuff. Stay tuned. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this. Hello, everyone. I'm Wade Shelton, a member of the College View Church of Christ. If you're like me, you've probably heard a lot of rumors about what the Church of Christ is all about. But regardless of what the rumors you may have heard, let me just quickly tell you what we are about. The College View Church of Christ is simply a group of Christians that is committed to doing everything that God has commanded us in exactly the way that he commanded us to do it. So we just simply open our Bibles and study them to determine what God has commanded us to do, and then we try to do it. It's just really that simple. Are you interested in being part of a group of people who have this approach to serving God? If so, I hope you will join me and my family as we worship God with the College View Church of Christ this Sunday at 9.30 a.m. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. Ninety percent of teens feel that the greatest pressure on them to engage in premarital sex comes from television, with the vast majority reporting that they had seen as many as nine shows in the previous week that pressured them on sex. Ranking second as a source of pressure was pop music, with 81% reporting they had recently heard songs emphasizing sex. Peer pressure ranked third, with 80% reporting pressure from their acquaintances. Other sources of pressure to engage in sex were movies, 70%, and TV and movie ads, 64%. That information is via the Journal of Adolescent Health. The Word of God says in 2 Timothy 2, verse 22, Flee also youthful lust, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. We're waiting to hear from you. Call in right now and join in on the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. We're back on the program tonight, going to the top of the hour, talking about uh, the Mormons and their attack of the Scriptures. They certainly uh, want to discredit the Scripture in favor of their supposed uh, sacred text, certainly. Lots of questions they have to answer if they're going to make that claim, and they can't answer them uh, to our satisfaction on the program tonight as we look at their claims. All right, let's. We've got some other quotes from a fella. He identifies himself. We don't go. We don't uh, adhere to this sort of title, but he calls himself Reverend Duke Dufty, Pastor Unity Temple on the Plaza. Yeah, we were questioning earlier which plaza that was on. Well, apparently it's a plaza in Kansas City. Thanks to Kevin for uh, yeah. the research on that tonight. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I don't know if, uh, apparently he's not directly affiliated with the Mormon church, so we don't want to, uh, apologies, we don't want to, we don't want to put that on them if that's not the case. But he also makes some claims against the, uh, uh, reliability of our modern English Bible translations. He says the 66 books of the Bible were written over a 1300 year, 1300 year time period by many authors with many viewpoints. You know, that's true. Actually, it's, uh, about, about 1,500 years by about 40 different authors. But that's one of the arguments we make for the inspiration of the Scriptures. How could you take that writing process and that many authors put their work together and it's all a yeah. harmony? Right. But we don't have time to go well, to that. We've talked about it before. Uh, yeah. He says, since that time, the Bible has been tweaked, touched up, added to, deleted from, to fit the viewpoints of the ruling class as well as to serve as the personal interest of religious authorities. Well, the same argument we were making earlier, Jacob, there's bit, there was no time for that to happen. Yeah. Because we're not talking about 2,000 years. We were talking, if that happened, it would have had to happen in about the first 100 or 200 years that those inspired writings were known to mankind. 
because we have we have verified copies of everything since then. Right. There's just not the time for all this uh, um, corruption to enter in. I, I just don't think we can make that point strong enough. Uh, you know, there was no time for that to happen. Period. There just was no time. It's a false, exaggerated. Claim. Are there translations that have been tweaked, touched up, added to, and deleted from to fit the view- viewpoints of the ruling class as well as serve the personal interest of religious authorities? Sure, absolutely. Yeah, don't have to look uh, far for those. But yeah. you can't find it in the original. You're not in the original text. All right. He goes on. He says, when King James oversaw the translation of the version, he chose to leave. When when King James oversaw the translation of his version. He chose to leave out more than 500 pages that he had disagreed with and added many that supported his beliefs. You know what this guy's talking about, I think? Yeah, the Apocrypha. I think he's talking about the Apocrypha. We, we have a whole, I think we have a whole program on the Virtual Bible Study about the Apocrypha. Uh, if you want to... If, if they haven't cut it out, by, you know, yeah. they decided they didn't want that part of the program. No, never mind. Uh, but they're, they're all, there's 15 books... Uh, in the Apocrypha, and some additions to some other Old Testament books. Uh, go back and listen to that. If you're not familiar with what the Apocrypha is, those those are all of questionable origins. They lack signs of inspiration. They are rightly excluded from our Bibles. Uh, I th- I'm, I'm almost certain that's what this guy must be talking about when he talked about 500 pages that were left out. Of course, 500 pages... That, that's a relative term. How, how much information is on each page and so forth? How was it printed? But I'm almost certain he's got to be talking about the Apocrypha. And that's a, that's a claim that's just, that's a statement just meant to shake people's confidence in the Bible. When those Apocryphal books rightly are excluded from our Bibles, there's no evidence for them. 3984 says, well, maybe that uh, it might just have been huge print. Did King James have really bad eyes? <laughs> maybe he did. Yeah, they left off a couple words, and it was a 500. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, so, I, again, I think that's what that guy's talking about. Notice, he says, he, this Tufty goes on to say, it is important to remember when we read the Bible today, we are reading a translation of a translation of a translation into a language that didn't exist when the original oh, Bible was written. Tufty, Tufty, come on, you know better than that. That guy, he he's not well read, he's not no, well studied. If he doesn't understand how we got our modern English translations, it wasn't a translation of a translation of a translation. Yeah. Uh, true translations go back to the original text. And we've been saying, those. there are manuscripts that date back to with just... In, within a hundred years or so of when the original documents were written. Yeah. And true translations go back to the original text and translate it into the modern language. They don't translate a translation. Yeah. That's just, that's just, that's outrageous. That's actually outrageous to say that. Uh, And, and when these translations are made from the original Greek and Hebrew text, teams of scholars work together to produce the outcome. And that's really important. It's not a single translator working on a document. There's a whole team of translators. And let's say it's you and me and Kyle, uh, but there would be more than that. But I don't know. I have some... I have some uh, this whole filthy lucre thing, you know, when no, I come across yeah, well, that. But, but I have some pride in my, oh, right, right. my scholarship. And I, don't, I want mine to be completely accurate because I don't want Kyle or you to come along and say, that's the dumbest translation I ever heard of. You know, these teams working together, because they are professionals and, and scholars, want their work to be as flawless as possible. 
that's how the translation process happened. It didn't happen by chance. And it's not these guys coming across. Well, it says that you're not, you know, filthy lucre or adultery is wrong. But I'm just going to tweak it here. You you, you can't do that. It's a it's a group. It's it, a it's, it's a, a collective it's, work. It is. Okay, go ahead. All right, he goes on to say, scholars agree there are more than 20,000 inconsistencies in the Bible as a result of different people with different viewpoints. I'll tell you, that's, again, this guy is making, I mean, I don't even know why he still owns the Bible. If, uh, that's true. If, if what he's saying is true. Let me read you a quote. At least he can count how many, how many books are in the Bible. He got that right. But uh, beyond that, I don't know. Let me read you a quote from Ezra Abbott. He was a member of the American Revision Committee of the of the uh, American Re- Revised Version. I guess that's the case. A member of the American Revision Committee. Here's what he says. He says, quote, the number of various readings frightens some. No, we're talking about the different readings in the original Greek and Hebrew text, especially Greek text. I'm sure he's talking about here. He says, various readings frighten some innocent people and figures largely in the right and figures largely in the writing of the more ignorant disbelievers of Christianity. One hundred and fifty thousand various readings, they say. Must not these render the text of the New Testament wholly uncertain and thus destroy the foundation of our faith? He says the true state of the case is something like this. Of the 150,000 various readings, more or less, of the Greek New Testament, we may dismiss 95% from consideration at once as being obviously of such character or supported by so little authority that no critic would regard them as having any claim to reception. This leaves us, we will say, 7,500 various readings. But of these, again, it will appear on examination that 95% are are of no sort of consequence as affecting the sense they relate to to questions of orthography or grammatical construction or the order of words uh, or such matters. In other words, sometimes it's just that the order of words was changed, but the meaning is exactly the same. They, they concern only the form of the expression, not the essential meaning. This reduces the number to perhaps 400 various readings which involve a difference of meaning, often very slight, or the omission or addition of a few words. While a few exceptional cases among them may relatively be called important, but our critical helps are now so abundant that in very large majority of these, we are able to determine the true text with a good degree of confidence. And so he's saying, you know, don't don't be thrown off by the idea that there's these all these variant readings of uh, of the of the original text. Uh, that's the idea this guy is trying to say. There's just so many inconsistencies. Well, they're not. There actually are not. All right. All right, uh, and then let's see. We got uh, we've got we've got some answers we haven't gotten to. Yeah. Uh, question number three was: Is God still revealing His will to mankind? To that, Kent says, no divine revelation ceases with the completion of the New Testament text. Second Timothy three fifteen through seventeen. Jim says, is God still revealing his will to mankind? God continues to reveal His will to mankind, but only through His divine, fully revealed Word, the Scriptures. The Bible, and then uh, num- I, don't, I don't think uh, I don't think that uh, number f- no no you're done with that that one number okay. four um, is the is it true that King James chose to leave out more than 500 pages he disagreed with uh, Kent says the claim that King James chose to leave out more than 500 pages is false the charge is irrelevant um, while the King James version is a decent translation that I use the plenary verbally inspired word of God existed prior to the King James translation and the veracity of the Bible as we now as we know it can be established by the extant manuscripts ancient versions and writings of early church historians Matthew 24 verse 35 furthermore the King James only position is false and uh, and Jim says um, 
it is not true that King James chose to leave out more than 500 pages that he disagreed with, unless those were pages that some contended should be in the Bible, like the Gnostic Gospels or unverified authentic Gospels, like the Gospel of Barnabas. Uh, There is no evidence to prove that the scholars King James used omitted 500 pages. Exactly right. He says, and and Jim is in the chat room, Uh, he says, I think he's referring to the apocryphal writings. And then he mentions one of the errors in the King James. He says in in Acts 12, King James wanted his favorite holiday to be included. So the translators put in the word Easter where the Greek word term Pascha or Passover is found. How do we know they mistranslated Passover? Because we have the original Greek to read and the previous translations to confer. All right. And that's then, how we would know there's an error in a translation. That's right. Thank exactly. you, Jim, for that. And then uh, your last question, how would you answer the claim that there are more than 2,000 inconsistencies, 20,000 inconsistencies in the Bible? Uh, Kent says the burden of proof regarding any prop, uh, proposition rests upon those in the affirmative of the position. It takes more than asserting that there are more than 20,000 inconsistencies. Those making such an assertion are obli- obligated to prove such a claim. Let the Mormons precisely state the alleged inconsistencies one by one on the Ptolemaic uh, platform, and uh, qualified representatives will demonstrate such uh, affirmations to be false. Uh, in the history of Mormonism, not a single debate has been productive of positive results of for this religious cult. And then Jim says, uh, what is meant by inconsistency? Are we talking about spelling of a name? Are we talking about the mention of... And that's what most of it is. It's, it's maybe a le- left a letter out or change the order of words or something. Are we talking about the mention of an, uh, an ancestry line where one name is omitted? Are we talking about something like saying that Jesus was born in Jerusalem and then later changing it to say he was born in Bethlehem, like the Book of Mormon? If the Mormon elders had done their homework, they would know that many of what are uh, considered by skeptics as inconsistencies are easily answered and proven not to be. I think that's exactly right. And then the last paragraph of the article. That Let you, me read this that, last that paragraph. Was, it was a total waste of paper and ink. Uh, this is this is this Reverend Duke Tufty of the Unity Temple on the Plaza. He says there are many ways to interpret the Bible. Some people believe every word is literally true. Some people believe it is a compilation of stories that serve up a moral. The agnostic questions everything in the Bible, and the atheist disputes it. Quote, notice this. Yet in all of this, the Bible is not to be discounted. After what, he had just discounted just it completely. It ought to be thrown away. If he what says he it is true. a moral compass that can serve all civilizations and with an open mind can be a source of comfort and inspiration to every person. No, if what he says is true, we need to discard these books. Yeah, they're, they're, they're worthless. They are. They, they're, they're worthlessly dangerous. If what he says is true. Yeah. So, uh, you know, again. And, but this is the dilemma that people, all kinds of so-called religious people today have. They want to say, well, the Bible has errors. We can't trust it here. We can't trust it there. It's antiquated on the subject of human sexuality or gender roles uh, or whatever the subject may be. It's out of date. We have to discredit it here. We have to discredit it. If that's the case, it is no moral compass. It has no value. It, either we accept it as it is or we throw it away. You can't have it any other way. There's yeah, no middle ground. Exactly right. All right. All right. Well, we're out of time, but we. I, I hope everybody will agree that's a, a valuable thing. It's valuable to know how the Mormons view the Bible, point one. But it, I think it's even more valuable for us to know that we can trust our Bibles. They are They are reliable. All right. Check out our uh, our archives for more information on the reliability of the Bible. 
I think you even have a, a program on there with uh, the very Jim Walsh himself. Yeah, about, Jim. Uh, Jim, has, who's in our chat room. So I think you had a program with him he, on the. He was on live with us uh, talking a while about back. the Bible and, and the various translations yeah. of the Bible. All right. Yeah. Okay. Well, a good discussion tonight. Kyle, thanks uh, for being here. It's always good to be here. I appreciate you having me. Yeah, I appreciate your help tonight. And, uh, Dad, thank you. Thanks, Jacob. Uh, if a witness in a courtroom cannot be trusted to reveal the truth, then their witness is useless. Uh, I think he's talking about the Bible. If the Bible can't be trusted to reveal the truth, it's useless. Kevin says, I would think we'd find all sorts of discrepancies at the Unity Temple on the Plaza's website. Reverend women, Buddhist relaxation sessions. Wow. Okay, I want to repeat, I had assumed that that guy, that Tufty, was associated with the Mormon church, and it's pretty clear that he's not, uh, and so we don't want to brand them with that. Uh, but his view of the Bible is not all that much different than the Mormon's view of the Bible. That's uh, unfortunate. All right. Well, thank you for joining us, and we hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word. We hope to make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.